Well, it's me again. Um, so much has happened in the last week as it seems to be happening. Um, and I just wanna say this is a season of my life that I did not expect um, where sanctification is happening very frequently. Um, and I know that uh, I, you know, still hold the phrase, I think once John Piper was asked, you know, what surprises him most about walking with Christ? And he said, the slowness of his sanctification. I still feel that, right? In that it is slow in the sense that, you know, there's so many things where I'm like, wow, I wish I had been sanctified like this 10 years ago. But at the same time, I think it is slow because we are seeing it in the light of eternity and perfection. And when, but when we are in the midst of it, um, it is frequent, right? It is frequently, it is frequent and yet slow is what sanctification can be and should be, right? Or maybe it's slow again isn't the right word, um, as God says, right? Like he is not slow the way we think of as slow, but he is uh, patient. Um, so I wanted to share for my own sake, for any of your sake, uh, who are following my life and what God, how God is wrecking me, um, of all the things that are going on. Last update I had was on Wednesday. Um, on Thursday, uh, it was a pretty normal day and I think God was working out some of, you know, the things that I learned last week with Eva. Uh, but then there's this thing where a few months ago, um, I really felt God calling me to plan uh, unofficial church retreat. Um, just to book a cabin, uh, to invite some people, to seek God, worship God. And so I did that. I invited people. Some people said yes. And that was it. You know, I kind of had forgotten about it, to be honest. Um, and then uh, on Thursday, a few multiple people of the group that I had invited um, said that they weren't going to make it. Um, and they had dropped out. And I was disappointed, of course. But I was trying to figure out why I was disappointed. And it's funny because m the main guy that I've been discipling this past year, he was over for discipleship, but I couldn't disciple him. Like I literally was like, I can't teach you anything right now because there's something going on in my heart and I feel so disappointed. So thankfully, I mean, I knew what to do because God's been showing me what to do. I listened to a couple praise songs and I started praying and just confessing kind of, yeah, I was so disappointed. Like these were my friends, right? Like these are my friends. These are people that I had spent a lot of time with in the last decade. Um, and for them to pull out for, you know, various other things. And one of the things that I think God was showing me, and even again, this main disciple that I've been meeting with every week uh, was sitting right there next to me, putting his arms around me, reminding me um, is that uh, I don't think my even my friends knew what has been going on in my heart and what's been going on in my life and what God has been doing to me and for me and with me. And if they don't know, then obviously they don't value something like a retreat the same way that I would. And I think for me even, I didn't value the retreat the same way a month ago when I had first booked the cabin. I think that because of all this crazy sanctification work that uh, the Holy Spirit has been doing in my life, I even now I'm understanding more of what that retreat is meant to be. And the reality is that some of my friends, even these people that I have spent so much time with in church for the last decade, that maybe they're not ready for that. And maybe they're not at that place yet where they can, um, yeah. And then as well, though, here's the, the, the thing that I think God was really leaving to my heart is that my responsibility to them is not to forget them, but to pray for them and let God work. I think that for 10 years as a pastor, you know, I was called to shoulder the spiritual burdens, life, yoke, co-yoke, something like that. You know, I was called for whomever, whomever showed up. Um, you know, it's that open door policy, right, of a pastor where, you know, there were so many times as a junior high or high school pastor where I was doing so much college ministry and young adult ministry because that's what a pastor is called to at a church is to be that open door um, from whoever needs it. 
But I have been wondering, right, ever since I stopped being a pastor or a paid pastor, what is the calling of lay people, right? Because if I was called to do that for everybody, then I would be called to be a pastor. And then God, I hope, I believe, right, would call me to be a pastor and to be paid again and to spend, you know, all that time with whoever shows up. And I think one of the difficulties I'm learning as a lay member of our church is that we are called to care, we are called to shepherd, and we are called to teach and whatever that is, but not for everybody, not for everybody. Um, that a difficult thing is sometimes to let people go, not letting them go into you know the wilderness by themselves, but to let them go with God, right? And to trust God and to say that God has their back and God is gonna work on them and that my heart for them that is breaking, right, for them because I see their pain. Yeah, oh, and just quick, you know, like even on Wednesday, um, I was at church doing VBS videos and ended up having this conversation with these two guys that, you know, I love our church and have been a part of our church for so long and to me are so often the best examples of excitement in our church. And I was hearing them share about how burnt out they are and about how sad they are and how lonely they feel. And even for them, I like want to go into pastor mode. I like want to, you know, book meetings and counsel and and it is hard for me to say, God, that's not my job. I pray for them. I care for them. I want to lift them up to you, God but I don't have the bandwidth, I don't have the calling to be their pastor. That's not who I am right now. That's hard for me. I'll tell you that is hard for me. Um, yeah, and that to offer to all, but then to minister to those who ask. To minister, like I think that is what Jesus did, right? The offer was to everybody, right? Everybody can come, everybody can eat but he went from 5,000 to like 50 in a week. Why? Because the people that wanted to, to grow and wanted to know more, they stayed and they asked. And I feel like that's the difficulty right now is I wanna be the pastor that chases after every single person. Because that's what I was, or you know, I tried to be, um, and I was called to be. Now I'm not. Now to be a disciple maker and to be a lay person trying to be a writer, trying to be a director, and that those things are important to God, and those things are important to me, and there's more on that later. Um, but then part of that means that my ministerial life is shifting, or has shifted, so that I'm not called for everybody that I care about. And that, that's profound, right? I do care about my friends. I do care about all these church members that I've known for so long but I'm not called to minister to all of them. And in order to know who is who, I'm gonna need the Holy Spirit to walk with me. That was Thursday, already getting wrecked by God. Friday, um, my Hannah and I, my wife, we had planned to um, take a mini vacation, just us two, we book a hotel, you know, we eat dinner, we relax. Um, we just take time to, you know, focus and love one another. And we had planned this uh, because we have these weekly date nights, this discipline of weekly date nights. And this was our week, right, for Hannah and I to do it. And so we booked a hotel. Um, and I'll be honest, I hadn't really planned all that much because of all this other crazy stuff that's been going on in my life and having to deal mentally with so many other things. Um, and so that morning I was packing um, and, you know, it hit me because uh, I was singing praise songs in my head. Uh, oh, God, why am I taking this vacation with my wife? What is going on? Right. Why am I what like what am I packing? Like, What am I even supposed to be packing? Because, you know, we had joked the night before that we needed to bring our own pillows because you just sleep better on your own pillow. And we both have nice pillows. Um, so <clears throat> we. Um, I was packing and then God was just speaking to me, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me saying, hey, you know, the way that you have learned to, you're learning to love Eva and loving to, learning to love Abby, your wife needs that love too, differently, right? But from a husband. 
what does it mean to love her as a husband? And what does it mean to, you know, my wife and I are not big on gifts. We're not, you know, love language gifts, giving and receiving is our lowest for both. That doesn't mean that you ignore it, right? And God was just starting to give me these ideas of these little things that I could do during the evening and during the day. Um, like here's little ways to surprise Hannah. Here's little ways to show her that you love her. And it was, and like when I, when I received those from God, I was like, wow, this is so fun. Like I can't wait to do these. And so we go on our date and I'm like pulling out these little surprises. Not like, you know, like always gifts. It's just like, hey, let's talk about this. You know, like I want to surprise you with this thing. And it was great. <laughs> like, you know, we had a vacation, um, our last vacation, I think it was like a month and a half ago, but it was the day before solar conference. It was a month ago, right? It was the day before solar conference. And so we weren't able to really like focus on each other. We were kind of getting ready for solar conference. Um, the week, the one before that, um, you know, you think it's so good. Like I remember being like after that vacation with Hannah, I was like, wow, this is such an amazing date. This is such an amazing vacation. It can't get any better. And then this weekend I was like, wow, it got better. It can't get any better than this, and you know that's what I'm, I'm, grow, I'm building in, and, and I'll get, I'll kind of get to that. Um, but I think the thing that I wanted to share regarding that is that, you know, the better I know her, the better I can love her, the better I can surprise her, the better I can lead her and shepherd her as a husband, uh, as a as a spiritual leader. It comes from knowing, it comes from trusting, it comes from relationship, it comes from feeling emotionally connected. And then in the surprising of her, right, in the obeying God and saying, here's the surprise for today, or here's the next thing, and, and here's how I'm gonna love you today. Because I do those, I know her better. And here's this amazing cycle, right? The more you know, the better you can love, and the better you love, the more you're gonna know, and the more you're gonna feel. and that, you know, so often I feel like we're waiting for this threshold of feeling, of love, to act on love. When in reality, I think God has always, you know, when, when God puts you in somebody's life, he gives you enough love and enough care for them to do something, to act upon it. Whether that be a simple thing like, hey, I love you, right? or I want to give you a hug, or I want to pray for you, or whatever that is. And then in the doing of it, you're going to know them more and love them more. Um, and God's not like saying, you need this, you need to pass this test before you can do the act of love. Um, and just with Hannah, I think that was really profound. Um, and then the crazy thing is, because, you know, I'm a writer now, and I want to say that confidently, even though I haven't been you know, paid a lot of money for it, <laughs> you know, but um, when we went out to dinner and even the next morning, you know, we were talking about this story that I just have really on my heart, um, the story I've been thinking a lot about, and she was helping me break the story. And the funny thing is, right, the more I know her and the more I love her, the more she's able to love me, um, and because she as well knows me the better, you know, she knows me and she's helping me to know myself. That's the thing about giving love is that when we give love and when we take that step of faith, that is how God then shows us love. Um, crazy, right? So that was Friday, Saturday night, amazing. Saturday night comes, uh, we're back home. Hannah's doing discipleship with one, with her, with a, a woman she's discipling. And that woman just came, to, it's so funny because it was the exact same thing that I had just experienced, right? She just needed to feel God's love. Like, not just know it, not just recite the verses, but to feel it. And I think that for me, that truth about what, God is trying to do in our midst is so we as an Asian American or at least my Asian American middle class upper middle class um, church tends to fall into for lack of a better word an elitist mentality that says knowledge is paramount that and, it, and we we hide it in different phrases that are true if we were to define them differently like our faith is built all upon the word, 
right? Our faith is built upon the Bible. Like we need to be biblical about everything. Now those are true, but if we match that with an idolatry of knowledge, then it is very dangerous. And I'm beginning to see that because there are so many, I believe, in our context, Asian American, upper middle class, Southern California, second generation, that know a lot about God, that we do, right? Even though they haven't memorized verses, maybe they have because of Awana or something. We know a lot about God and yet we don't feel him close. And I think COVID exposed that for sure. And yet how many of us, our response is, I want to, I need to know more. I need to take another class. I need to do more Bible study. Those things are not bad in themselves, but if our idolatry is knowledge, then we are just seeking more of our idol, right? How can I know more? And I, I know plenty of friends now where I'm like, how can you know so much about the Bible and you have served so diligently for so many years? but you will not allow God into your life, not to transform it and not to give you a hug. Um, and that's what Hannah's disciple needed. She just needed a hug from God to feel God's love. And, you know, we're praying for her, right? The joy of the Lord to be her strength. So Sunday rolls around and already another crazy day. Sunday rolls around. We're going to worship. I'm going to pray. Thank, I'm so glad um, one of my friends from YWAM Kansas City uh, was in town and he came to church with me and I was like, hey, I'm so glad you're here because, you know, I really feel called to pray strong in our 30 minute prayer uh, before. I really feel called to worship loud and to dance, right, in our morning worship from the be very beginning. And the following, the previous week, I felt really alone in doing that. And I was like, hey, you're here. I'm not alone, <laughs> right? Like there's two of us at least, right? There's two of us on Sunday that are gonna dance, that are gonna sing, that are gonna sit in the front, right? I am not alone, I need you, I'm so glad you're here. Um, and so we get there and we are praying before service and the prayer is just powerful because um, he was there, my wife's disciple, she was there and because of the work God's been doing in our lives, we're just gonna go into it, right? You know, we did our, First circle, like, dear God, thank you for this day. I pray for this worship. Even that was deeper than normal, right? But then it was just, God, I want to pray for this. And God, this is who I am. And bearing my heart out to God. I was very moved personally because when I went to Jack in the Box that morning to get food for my family, in front of the drive through menu was this homeless man. And I'm looking at him and he was picking his nails with a lighter. And my heart broke for him, but at the same time, I didn't know what to do. And then I looked and the, the, the thing that stuck in my mind was that he had the same backpack I have. <laughs> like I have this red backpack from Swiss Gear. I've had it for the last, I've had it since college, right? Um, and he had the exact same backpack as me. And I was sitting there, you know, not knowing what to do and just feeling compassion that we are the same, you know, humanity, we all share in so many things. And yeah, so that kind of worked in my heart and that's gonna come back in this story later because this is what God does. He writes amazing stories and he's writing one in my life. Um, so I get to church, you know, we pray and I'm praying about that homeless man and how I feel and wanting God to just take care of him. Not like the homeless in general. I think a lot of times, right, I pray for that, like the homeless in general. And I think, no, to pray for him. And that reminded me, you know, a lot of times we pray for our church in general. God bless our church. God make our church do this. And I think there was a power in being there in that circle and being like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm, I am, well, I am praying for the church, but I'm also going to pray and care and think about and empathize with this one person. Um, and so with all of that, call to worship is a different thing, right? Because call to worship, I've already been in the presence of God, right? And now I'm called now to worship, not to call to come. I've already come to God, right? To worship. I think that's the power of prayer in the morning before worship, right? Is that I'm already in the presence of God and God is saying, you've been looking at yourself and you've been looking at your own life. Now look at me and lift up your head. And we sang House of the Lord, this new Phil Wickham song that's got these gospel vibes, but it's just white enough so that, you know, um, like our people can kind of feel it and I think it's a great song picked by Dag. Um, and, you know, I'm like, 
I'm just gonna sing. I'm gonna and it was oh, it was even crazy before because you know our chairs for social distancing. There's only two chairs, so me and my friend from YWAM were sitting in them. But I want my kids to come, so I was like, oh, like what's going on? And I was like, oh, they're just gonna they're gonna leave after the songs. So I had them sit, and then me and my friend from YWAM we sat on the floor, and that was awesome. Like that was awesome to sit on the floor. It, it made me feel like. Like I was one of Jesus' disciples, right? Sitting by the Lake of Gennesaret, just listening. And um, and to see my kids there sitting with me, um, you know, it was awesome. And so I just started praising. I sang, I danced from the opening note loud. There is such a power in singing so loudly that you cannot hit the notes. <laughs> you know, and we're always so self-conscious, like I gotta hit the notes. And I do wanna hit the notes, right, a lot of times. But there is such a power in singing loud enough where you cannot hit the notes and your voice, you lose it, right? You lose control of your voice because I think in those moments, God comes and God is pleased. And to, you know, for God to be pleased at the note that I hit makes me feel a certain way, which is good. But God being pleased when I miss the note makes me feel another way, a really good way. Um, and you know what was great? Like, I'm in the front, I'm worshiping, it's for me. I'm, I'm it's selfish, right? In a good way. But I could see, you know, the praise team as well, like they respond. And because they respond, then at least my feeling, I don't know if it was angels behind me or people singing, but I felt more people singing. I felt more people moving. And now maybe that is the choir of angels, right? But I hope not. I hope it was also our church. And that gave then me more encouragement to sing. And isn't that what we're searching for in corporate worship, right? It isn't this one way leading. It is this mutual leading. The praise leader says, lift your hands. And when nobody lifts their hands, he doesn't wanna lift his hands either. He or she doesn't wanna lift their hands either. But when they say lift our hands, and then we as praise followers lift our hands, then they want to lift their hands higher. And because they wanna lift their hands higher and lift their voices higher, right? Like you ever have, you know, like you ever been in a praise session where that praise leader just goes for that note, they go for the octave, they go for the, and like, even if they don't hit it, you're like, yes, yes, and it encourages you. And that cycle is just so powerful and it was awesome. It was the best Sunday praise I have had in years. And I'm so thankful for everybody um, that was there. And it was worship. It really just, it, that was what worship was. It was God in the midst of us, uniting us, encouraging one another. Um, and at the end of that praise session, um, you know, because it was communion, it was three songs. I'm so glad. I wish we did three songs every week. I really do. I wish we did 10 songs every week, but that's just me. Um, and so, you know, my kids are going to go to the room and I look towards the door that they're going to go through. And in between us and the door is my wife's disciple from the night before, the one who needed a hug. So I told you, my, my daughters, I was like, okay, you, you know, go, but this is what I want you to do. Before you go, I want you to go and give her a hug. And they did. And I could see it surprise her, right, shock her, but also move her. It's the power of children. It's the power of children in my life. It's why our church needs children, right? Because what Jesus said, he brought the little child, said, if you do not come to me like a child, right, like this is, the, this is faith. Right, and that was faith. Eva, for all of her, all of her struggles and all of her tantrums, right. In that moment, she trusted me enough that when I said, "Go and hug your auntie," she did. And she doesn't know why or what it's for or how it's going to work or do. She just trusts me, and she goes and she does it. Um, DC's message, Pastor DC, our, our pastor that preached on, was absolute fire. I did this thing that I'm, because Hannah and I have realized that I'm a visual person and that she is processes through words, I took not only a pen, but I took a pencil. And so I was sketching things, right, as he was preaching, instead of just like writing down the words, which to me is not my core process. I took that pencil, you know, I would write down some words and then whenever a picture of what he was preaching popped in my mind, I would draw it. And the crazy thing is I can remember the drawing so much better than I can remember the words. I can remember that picture of grace being this oversized shirt that covers us and yet we can grow into it and will always be bigger. 
um, that sanctification, right? Is this like, is like this cross on our back that if we think we're alone and trying to hold up sanctification, we are going to be exhausted. And yet what does grace do and what does the Holy Spirit do? You know, it's like if I have two weights and I'm trying to hold them like this, right? I'm going to get exhausted so fast. But if there is a table and I just put them on the table and I can just hold my hands on top of the table, am I still holding them up? I am, right? But I can do that all day. Why? Because the table is taking most of the work. Man, DC's message, absolute fire. So good. After lunch, you know, I'm socializing. Our church still hasn't figured out a way to coordinate lunch yet. So it's a little chaotic. And I know people are getting left out and left behind. And I feel bad about that. Not my job, right? At least, at least right now. Um, but a couple people, they were going to go to this restaurant in La Crescenta, this Korean restaurant. And so Hannah had gotten invited to uh, eat with her accountability group. And that's great. So yeah, go, right? We had gotten two cars. Oh, we had two cars at church because that morning Eva threw a tantrum. Um, on our way out to church, Eva threw a tantrum. And thankfully, thankfully, God's planned, right? I stayed home with her for an extra 15, 20 minutes because Hannah has to go early. Um, and I just went with her in a separate car. So we had two cars. So Hannah was able to go to lunch. I took Eva and Abby and Haimuni to lunch at this Korean restaurant. And as soon as we're trying to leave, Eva throws another tantrum and she's just losing it. Um, I literally, I think I literally had to like hold her hand all the way to the car. We get to the restaurant. There's not enough parking, which was a godsend. Cause I drop off Abby and, oh, first on the way, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to calm down. So I'm playing praise music and Eva is screaming at me cause she just wants silence. She's screaming, she's screaming, she's screaming. And I, I my heart, I like, I couldn't let go. Um, and for that, and then there was this moment where Abby, <laughs> Abby, because she is calmer than me and Eva, she's like, Daddy, can you please turn the music off so it will help Eva calm down? And it was like the Holy Spirit just hit me and I was like, yes, you're right. And I turned it off and we just drove in silence and Eva was okay. I dropped off Hymeny, I dropped off Abby. You know, we got to listen to our kids sometimes because they know us better than most people in the world. Drop off Hymeny, I drop off Abby. Um, I uh, pick up um, and I, I park on the street with Eva. She's still emotional, I feel it. I feel the Holy Spirit as he's been doing. I crawl, you know, through the car into the back seat. I am trying to do everything I know how to do to hug her, to kiss her. And I'm just realizing more and more that she just is hearing the voice of the devil so loud saying, you're not loved. You don't have enough. You'll never have enough. This is all you'll get. You're not good enough. You're not loved. And as I've shared before, I'm realizing this amazingly awful thing, terrible thing, which is that the devil uses my voice in her head. That when the devil tells her these things, he's using my voice. And I was like, I don't know how to counteract that. I need her to hear God's voice. And the funny, and the thing is, right, we've been reading the Jesus Storybook Bible, um, one story every night. That's one of our routines. And when we finish it, we just go back. And one thing that I do is I do voices because it's important to have fun with your children, even if you're not good at voices. And I mean, I think I'm pretty decent at voices, right, at accents, but even if you're not, to have fun with your, with your children. Um, and, and I remember, uh, so, you know, full disclosure, uh, and because this is important to the story, that whenever I read God, whenever I read God's voice or Jesus's voice or the Holy Spirit's voice from Jesus Storybook Bible, um, somewhere around the first or second iteration, I decided to use Black Panther's voice <laughs> because I want them to hear God as black. <laughs> uh, I want them to hear God's voice as, as, as a Wakandan king, right? Um, and so I'm hugging her and I'm like, she needs to hear her voice. And so I start talking to her with this Black Panther voice that I use for God. And I could hear, I could see and feel her like, like realize that God was there. 
yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that that's something that I do and that that's something that God could use. And if you have kids, I hope, you know, that that will be an encouragement to you. Read the Jesus Storybook Bible with them. Read the actual Bible with them. Do voices. Let them have these different voices in their head, the voices of truth. Um, and she calmed down. She calmed down. We had lunch. It was awesome. We came home. And I had found out that a lot of um, our young adults uh, and college students, they were going to the beach. Uh, they decided kind of semi-last minute. Um, and a lot of the people that usually come to our house, right, we went to the beach. And so for me, I thought, well, they're just going to stay at the beach and they're not going to come. So I was fully expecting like two people to show up, right? Like my main guy, right? And like some of like the three other people that we've been discipling, that's who I was expecting to show up. I posted on our Facebook group, um, you know, hey, who's coming just so that I can know. And it was kind of an act of faith because I think I wanted to just beat myself up, really. I just wanted to be like, no one's going to come. I mean, it's the voice of the devil. The same voice I tried to, tried to help Eva overcome was now trying to lie to me. And people were like, oh, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And then we had like 12 or 13 people here. And I got to say how amazing it was for me. I mean, people showing up as any form of leader, any form of church leader, people showing up for you is the, one of the greatest encouragements. Um, and we've been learning about communion, or I've been learning, because I realized that the past week, even though I was a pastor for 10 years, I was a youth pastor, and I didn't really do communion on the regular for various reasons. And I think for me, I realized that I didn't really know I mean, I know theologically what communion is, right? But the same way that God has been showing me on the practical level what praise is, not just theologically what praise is, but on the practical level what praise is, um, I realize I don't know what communion is. And so God had given me this idea of for communion, instead of me just, because in the Bible it says Jesus breaks and then he passes, right? And I think that can be interpreted as, right, he gives one, 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 like he does to Judas. But as well, I think there was this thing about passing, right, about passing it around. And so I passed around the bread and, you know, our communion elements for each person to bless the other, to say to the person next to you, God loves you. This is what I see in you. I want to bless you. That way, the receiving of communion, the eating of it, it wasn't just receiving this high theology. It was receiving that phrase, that for somebody to say to you, this bread means that God loves you, that God cares for you, that God is with you. You, you, not y'all, not this corporate y'all, but you, right? And to eat that. And we went around the circle, and it was really funny because it was, how many people, it was so awkward, right? so awkward to give a word of blessing, a compliment, how hard and awkward it was to receive it. And I understand, because that was me. And that's probably why God you know, wanted me to do communion that way, because that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to do to me. Um, and then you know, we spent some time talking about the praise songs we're gonna sing, and then we sang. Uh, we prayed, right? And then we prayed, and then we sang. Um, and I remember during the, 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 the worship set, instead of sit, sitting in the front, which I tend to do on Sundays as a visual example, I really felt God calling me to be in the back and to let some others sit in the front, especially the ones, because our subwoofer is near our couches. Um, so sitting in the front, you feel that sub, and I'm like, you know, y'all need to feel it. But I think in the, being in the back, what I also realized is there was some, some of our, especially these brothers of mine, you know, I, I feel, right, like the Holy Spirit wants us to lift our hands. Even the praise leader is saying, lift your hands, and they cannot lift their hands. And I literally went behind them and lifted up their hands for them. And it's what I'm doing with Eva, you know, in so many ways, where right now with Eva, she's at this place where I can't just tell her, right, this is what you got to do, fix this, do this, do this, because her feelings are so powerful and they're so overwhelming that she needs me to just say, do you trust me? Let me do it for you. I've carried her 
a few times this past week to the bathroom because she's tantruming, not wanting to go to bed. And I'm like, I'm gonna do this for you. I'm gonna brush your teeth for you. I'm gonna help you to change. I don't always have to do it, but I have to show her that I'm willing to do it. I am willing to literally do this for you. Trust me, just trust me. And I think that was what I was doing with um, my brothers and it was really powerful. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us. The one thing though that was kind of weighing on my heart was that my main guy wasn't there. The guy I've been discipling this past year, he wasn't there. It made me sad. Um, and then that was Sunday. Wow, gosh, what a Sunday, what a Sunday. You know, I've been talking a lot about why can't Sundays be retreats, right? Why can't we feel like every Sunday is a retreat? And I really feel like every Sunday, my last three, four weeks has been a retreat and it's been awesome. And I just want you to know that that is possible. Um, <clears throat> so then Monday comes around, it's Memorial Day. I slept in, it was great. Um, and then we had a pool party. Um, uh, we had a pool party. Writing something that I just remembered. Uh, at um, it was the pastoral staff, right? Um, for ANCC, and my wife is part of the staff. I'm not one of the staff, right? I'm the husband. Uh, I'm the I'm, I call it the mananim, right? It's like samanim means pastor's wife. I'm the mananim. Uh, I'm the staff member's husband. Um, so had a pool party, and I I love swimming. My kids know I love swimming. I know they love swimming. So I was like, I want to swim with you. I get there, right? Nobody else wants to swim, <laughs> right? None of the other adults want to swim. Thankfully, I'm like, God has given me enough now Holy Spirit guidance to just be like, just do what I, the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Um, I get in the pool with them, with a couple of the other kids, and it ends up just being my two kids and one other kid. Um, and we're playing, and I'm just playing. And I realize that the way that I'm playing is because of this show called Bluey. Uh, on Disney Plus, there is this show from Australia called Bluey. It is about a family of dogs. And the kids are basically about right above and below Abby's age. They're probably, the kids are probably about like five and seven, six and four, somewhere around there. And it's really about playing with your kids. It's really about playing with that age. And the funny thing is, I had such a hard time with Eva when she, two years ago when she was at that age. I did not know how to play with her. After watching Bluey, I know how to play with them. I know how to just dwell in the imagination. What Hannah was saying is it's basically just improv, right? There are no rules. You're just improvising everything and having fun doing it. Before I knew it, I had been swimming with them and playing with them for two hours. And I'm not going to lie, if you had told me that I could imaginative play for two hours, I would have thought you were crazy. But I think Bluey showed it to me. And that's all I needed. I needed to see it. I needed to see it done so that I could do it. That's the power of art. That's the power of role models. Um, and... Yeah, I just needed an Australian accent. Bluey! <laughs> right? As soon as I turn on that Australian accent in my head, right, now I switch to that play mode with them. Um, and what a blessing. What a blessing. And isn't that, I think, what discipleship and what church is supposed to be about? Showing one another, hey, this is how you can do it. This is how you can be sanctified. This is how you can pray. Instead of telling people to pray, instead of forcing them to try to worship. You just show them and you invite them into that space. Say, you know, I'm gonna be excited. <laughs> and it's funny because that Australian accent, accent now is reminds me of Hillsong, right? Are you ready to worship God tonight? Right, like, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right? Because now, like when I engage that and like, yeah, sometimes maybe I'm even like singing in an Australian accent now because it is helping me to remember what I've seen in Joel Houston, in in these worship leaders for Hillsong and then allows me to do it. And that's just so powerful. Um, gosh, that was Monday. Okay, I'm gonna speed this up. Wow, so much is happening to me. Uh, Tuesday, I had multiple interviews with different artists for Solo, putting together right a series of interviews with different artists. And it was just great to be encouraged, um, to know that you're not alone in your struggles, to know that you're not alone in your endeavors, in your thoughts, in your in your life, um, 
And I know for many people, right, in church, we gather together around church, right? Yet for most people I talk to, how many of you, your struggle is not sometimes with church. Your real struggle in your life is with your work um, or with your family, but specifically for work. And to me, I think it was such an encouragement to know you're not alone in your work, to find other believers in your same field, your same industry, in your same company, and to be able to fellowship together, to just encourage one another and share with one another and sympathize with one another. What a blessing we need. What a community that we need. And I just want to encourage you that if you do not have that right now in your job, in your workplace, that God wants to give that to you. I really believe that. God wants to make sure if you're an accountant, if you're an IT, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, that church is not meant to be this thing that is just separate from your occupation, but that God wants to build you a community in your occupation that's going to encourage you. And I really felt that. And then Tuesday night, is our family prayer time. We did it. Eva was struggling again. The devil keeps telling her that she's can't do it and everything. And, you know, I think we had a lot more patience this time around. Um, we put them to bed. It's supposed to be Hannah and I, our prayer time. And I, again, I'm like, we just had this amazing vacation. We just had this amazing retreat Sunday. We just had this amazing Monday. Like, we don't really need to pray, do we? Right? And then she was like, you know, let's just Pray like two things, right? Like just two things. We'll go two times. Did not go two times. Ended up praying for an hour or something. Um, and God just showing me so many things. And I could go through all of that, but it would be another hour to recap it. So I'll give you a you know Cliff Notes version. I think at the end, God was really just showing me that, that in so many ways, I think I'm afraid of my own future. Um, and it boils down to this, this doubt that I have. Right, which is what if this is the last mountaintop? That what if God has led me to this point and this is as good as it gets and it's all downhill from here? I know that's theologically not true, but I don't feel, but I feel it is true. And that's the disconnect. And that's the, I believe, help my unbelief. Um, and I'm trying to figure that out. And at some point, we look around the room and uh, I had redecorated my room for the short film or the, for the feature film that I made back in December and I haven't changed a lot of the artwork on the walls from that. Um, and I was like, man, I gotta change this artwork. Like this is not where I'm at right now. Uh, which is funny because I think that might be part of why Mirror Mirror, the film that I shot, I've been procrastinating putting it off because I've changed so much and every time I watch that film, it's not who I am anymore. It was a struggle of who I was like eight months ago. And I think I need to embrace that, that that's the art that I'm putting out. Not who I am right now, but who I was back then. Anyways, we're looking at this artwork and saying, what do we need to change it to? Hannah's like, you know, we're talking about. And I was like, you know what I really, what would make me happy? And I think what God, the idea that he was giving me was to put my kids' artwork. You know, we have grown up kind of with the thought of putting our kids' artwork on the fridge but what does it mean to put my kids' artwork in my room and to be proud of it and to wake up and see it and for them to know that it's there and that we love it, we like it. Um, that was the idea. I said, okay, you know, we're going to do that. Yeah, so then Wednesday, yesterday, um, I... Dropped off the kids. I had allergy shots, um, which I get uh, to help me not have allergies. <laughs> We've talked about that before. Um, but then I came home, and usually after allergy shots now, because I'm at maintenance level, so I'm getting shot up with a lot of allergens, um, that I need to sleep. And, oh, it's so funny, because the Tuesday, that Tuesday night, one of the things that you know I had been reminded of, that I think I had shared last week, the joy of just copying God's work, right? The joy of prayer of saying, working out what God is trying to show me and then saying, my life just needs to copy it. And I realize that even in our day-to-day -day work, how often we, you know, we're trying to work of our own ability. We're trying to do the best. It's like God has given us an objective, right? But then I need to figure it out and I need to get it done. And I think God was reminding me, no, 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 right? Like, I will help you with every step. I will show you every step if you, you know, like that you need. And 
one of the ways he does that is for me to pray. And I think for, you know, Korean tradition of praying in the morning, sebyokido, right? That's one of the things that they're doing. Hopefully, they're trying to ask God for his presence and his direction for today. I don't do well with mornings. Um, and for me, the struggle actually isn't mornings. The struggle is evenings because I start to think about what I have to do the next day. And then because of that, I start to think about the next week. And then I start to think about the next month. And then I start to think about the next year. I start to think about the next 10 years. And before I know it, it's 2 a.m. and I have insomnia. It's literally what happens to me. That's why I listen to boring podcasts to fall asleep because my brain will keep, keep going. And on Tuesday night when we were praying and I'm revealing this to Hannah, Hannah's like, oh, I feel so sad for you because she just like thinks about tomorrow and then falls asleep. And I'm like, that's what I need. And she was, and it's like, okay, well, how do I get that? Well, I need to ask God. I need to pray at night and say, God, what is my agenda for tomorrow? What do you want me to do? That way I can know what I'm supposed to do. And I can know that when I've done it, I can rest um, because, you know, God is satisfied. And... Um, I came home after my allergy shots and I'd prayed about this the night before because I was like, well, I'm going to be tired and I'm going to feel guilty about not doing work. And then so if I do work thinking that I will be able to push through, I won't be able to push through. I'm going to crash as I always do. And then I'm going to crash and then I'm going to feel even guiltier. And then when I pick up my kids, then I'm going to feel guilty because I haven't done enough work. So even though I'm going to supposed to play with them. I'm going to feel guilty at that time as I'm playing with them because I didn't get enough work done. And I was like, oh my God, is this happening every day? And God is like, it's happening every day because you're not asking me. You're just cutting yourself down, right? Like literally every day. Um, and I was like, wow. Um, so I came home and I went to take a nap. And like, it's such a privilege that I have because you know, hopefully as trying to be a writer, right? I can do things from home as an editor, right? I'm editing from home. So I understand that that's a privilege. But I think that the, the, the application still applies for anybody in, you know, whatever workplace you're doing to ask God what your day-to-day -day is going to be. Because I remember, you know, being like, oh, I'm just going to sleep for 30 minutes. And when I'm allergy shot, I ne can never sleep for 30 minutes, right? Um, and I remember just hitting the snooze a couple times. And then this one time I hit the snooze, I felt like another blanket being put on top of me. Like I have two blankets and I felt like another one. I thought that Hymeny was in the room. I was like, what's going on? I opened my eyes, there's nobody there. And I think it was just God saying, it's okay, you know? Like if I give you time to rest, it's okay to rest. Because then I, you know, woke up when I was supposed to, ate lunch, started doing work, got a lot of work done, figured out, you know, the timing of certain things. And, um, and then Eva was sick. Eva was sick yesterday, she, kind of sick, semi-sick. She was just home. Our plans, even though they had changed, we were still so calm about it. Um, Hannah went to go pick up Abby. I took an hour because one of the things that God had told me on Tuesday was that Eva needs to know that I look forward to playing with her, that I want to play with her, that I like to play with her. That's what the thing with Bluey and the swimming showed me. Um, and so, you know, I played one hour, right, this new Disneyland video game, Disneyland Adventures, that we've been playing together. And it's been really fun because I get to be in Disneyland a little bit. And we get to do, you know, these mini games together. Um, and then we hung their artwork in our room because that's what God told me to do the day before. It's funny, I, I hung up Eva's because I was like, she needs it. And then later, Abby was like, where's mine? And I was like, I don't know where yours is. Like, where is it? And she's like, oh, it's here. Right. And that's Abby's thing. Right. She can get over it just like Hannah. Whereas Eva and I, like, we like hold on to our burdens forever. Um, yeah. And the, the light in their eyes, it was so great. Um, and then last night, uh, my main guy, my disciple, came over. Um, and I, we've been watching Ted Lasso together. And the reason we had, it started kind of on accident. Um, but then God kind of showed me that, you know, he needed, same way Eva needs to know that there are some things that are special. There are some things I'm saving just for her and I will protect just for her because I want to experience it with her. I think with Ted Lasso, this amazing, amazing show that is so full of God and so full of community and so full of everything good. It is such a good show. 
um, I was that's something that I saved with him. And so we had finished it. We were, it was the end of the season. Second season's coming out soon. I'm so excited. Right, we finished it. And it was emotional and it was great. And I started praying with him. Um, and it's funny because one of my other disciples showed up and I didn't even know why. He was just like, he just showed up. Um, and so we're praying together. And I totally thought it was going to be about him. And it was, right? Like, I think God was trying to minister to his heart because he's kind of stuck, right, in this place, right? Um, and then, so I'm praying, you know, we're doing our circle prayer. And it's fine. They even asked us, like, when are we going to stop? And I told them, what I realized now with Hannah, we're going to stop when the Holy Spirit tells us to stop. And they're like freaking out. And I was like, hey, 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 right? Like God's going to own them. So what do they do? They start thanking God for me. And my heart like is trying to harden so hard. And I was like, oh God, you would do this, right? Like the second I say, right? Like, oh, you're going to own them. This is what happens to Hannah all the time, right? I think God is going to wreck Hannah. And then actually God wrecks me because in wrecking me is how God is going to bring healing to Hannah. And so even with these two disciples that we have um, that are sitting there, God, I thought God was going to wreck them. And then God's wrecking me because I was resisting their appreciation. I was resisting their gratitude. Um... And thankfully, Hannah's in the room, and she knows what's going on. So she comes in, right, and she's just breaking it down. And I'm like, what is going on in my heart? What is happening? And God showed me this weird cycle because it wasn't what I thought. Like, I had these theories, and I was like, God, I need you to just show it to me. Please just show it to me. And he showed me this cycle, right, is that something happens, and I feel good. I feel good about it. And then I feel guilty about feeling good because I don't think I should feel good, and I feel guilty about feeling good. So then I find a reason to feel guilty, right? I justify my guilt. I find, you know, I, I'll dredge up things from the past. I'll dredge up all these things in order to find a reason of why I can feel guilty. Also that I can not feel good again so that the next feeling good will I, it's the swing. It's that swing from not feeling good to feeling good, that that's what I'm chasing, that that's what I'm addicted to, that that's what I think is all that there is. I want I don't want to open the door to the next stage, partly because I'm afraid, what if there's no more mountaintops? What if there is no more, right? What if this is it? But also because I know the feeling of this upswing, and I just want to feel that upswing again. Um, I'm realizing, yeah, how many of us as churchgoers, we keep trying to just chase the moment of salvation again, right? We keep trying, like we had this great moment where we realized we were saved and we are saved, but then our whole lives, we're trying to just chase that moment again. When Jesus says that moment's just the beginning, that there's greater joy, there's greater hope, there's greater love, there's greater faith. And in many ways, us trying to make ourselves guilty, to make ourselves feel guilty, is just us trying to chase back that idol of that first feeling when we were first saved. When reality, right, like whenever there's, we don't, we cannot see ahead, there is another mountaintop that God is leading us to. There is another valley of grace. There is another, like there is so much, there's another step of that journey that is so amazing. Um, yeah, maybe again, that's why I can't finish video games. That's why I tend to um, leave projects at the very last step because I don't want it to be the end. And then there was something else too, because I think I realized with Eva, right? Because Eva, I think, is struggling with my struggles so much more than Hannah's, um, is what if it doesn't please God? I've noticed something with Eva where she wants to do her very best on every project and she wants to decorate it and make it pretty and she gets that from me and I help her with it because I am the same way. And she's so excited to bring it to school. But I've noticed that when she brings it back, she doesn't talk about it. Or she's, you know, like she's kind of, not like to my degree because I, I was broken for a lot more years, but you know, it just what didn't get the reaction that she really wanted. That's why I need to hang the artwork on the walls because it's my reaction that matters. That, you know, she's afraid to turn things in. Maybe fear isn't the wrong word. Maybe disappointed. Maybe like, 
Yeah, but anyways, like when she turns something in, it kind of loses its luster because she's not being met with that joy. And I think that's how I am with God. You know, I see that in her and I see that in me. Like, I don't want to turn in my work to God because I don't think it's good enough. I don't think it's perfect enough. With Mirror Mirror, that's the struggle right now. It's not good enough. I wish it was better. I know I could have done it better if I could go back in time and do it again. To turn it into God, to turn it into the world. For me, it's like God's going to be like, oh, good try. I, I see your effort. And then he's going to file it away. And God, yesterday, I think, in ministry, in art, in family, in life, God is trying to remind me that he wants to hang my artwork on the wall. He likes it. He's proud of me. And that's so powerful. And I'm receiving it slowly, slowly, right? Hannah joked that, um, Hannah joked that like, when it comes to like grace and like letting things go, like her and the other disciple that were there, they're like my water purifier. You just, you know, we have a nice water purifier. You just press the button and purified water comes out and even sings to you while it does that because it's Korean. Whereas for me and my main, my main guy, my main disciple that we is like, we're like a Brita filter. We are getting purified, but when you pour it in, it's so top heavy and it's so wobbly, right? And it's just slowly, slowly, slowly purifying. And yeah, that's what God is showing me. Um, and I'm still unpacking that, right? Like, and it's what I need to learn from Hannah. It's what, if, if you are like that, right? Where grace, you can move on. People in church need you, right? Um, you know, for me, and again, my main guy, disciple, like we look at our past, because Hannah was like, the way I move forward is I just look at the past and I see God's faithfulness. And I'm like, I know God will be faithful in the future. And theologically, that is the correct mindset. But for me and for him, the problem was when I look in the past, I can see the past I can feel it in the present. Like it's, it's so compacted. Like I can remember mistakes that I made when I was in fifth grade, in third grade, and I can feel the shame and the guilt as real as it was back then. And my wife looks at me like I'm crazy and I need her to because I need to embrace what she has. I need to embrace that grace that says the past is say is salvation, the past is purified, the past is redeemed, you can move on. You can see it instead of, right, objects in the mirror may appear closer than they actually are, right, which is like me, I've got this mirror that's just amplifying everything in the past, right? Like, you need to look at the past with a telescope to see like, wow, oh, look how far away that was, right? Like, you know, I'm always surprised when I go to Disneyland how much I can walk, right? Because I'll look and I'll see Guardians of the Galaxy or Paradise Pier. Or I'll look and I'll see Matterhorn like so far away. And I'll be like, wow, I was just there and I walked all the way over here and it felt like nothing, right? But, to you know, like if you had told me to walk that far, I would have been like, that's too far. I don't want to do it. I need that, that ability to accept God's grace, to feel it. So we're praying and he's stuck and I feel him getting stuck and he's praying to God and he's getting a little unstuck. And it's like, no, I knew, we, you know, we needed to sing, right? And so we sang. We sang the same set or half of the set um, that, we, that we had sung on Sunday that he had missed, that he wasn't there for. And I believe that's why God needed him to be there. Um, but I think that's why also God, I needed him to be there. And he needed to know, and I even pray this for him afterward, he needed to know that I needed him there. He is my Peter, right? He's the guy I spent the most time with. He is the guy that I poured the most into this last year. I need him there with me. Um, not because he's perfect. Not because he's, it's like Peter. Not because Peter is going to do everything right. But it's just because I love you. I love you and I need you to be there for me because I want you here. And... I was guiding, it's funny because I was guiding him through 
I was lifting his hands for him. I was helping him kneel. I was praying for him. I even massaged him the way I massaged Eva and told him, right? Like, this is what I do to my daughter whom I love when her emotions are too big. And I'm going to do the same to you because I love you too. Um, and then I needed him. You know, like the last thing I prayed for him before I, you know, I told him, hey, like, you got to just dwell in the feeling. Go in your car, listen to the rest of this worship set on your way home, fall asleep listening to worship, turn your brain off. And for Christians, right, like for us as conservative, upper middle class, elitist Christians, turn your brain off for a moment seems almost like heresy. Now, turn your brain off forever is a heresy, right? Yes, the Bereans are an amazing, you know, like, Bible case, right? Of people that, but realize that the Bereans, they were, they were checking what Paul was saying, because one of the things that Paul was saying was receive the Holy Spirit and feel the salvation and feel the sanctification. And they were checking with their brains to make sure that it was okay to turn off their brains for a moment, for a, a minute, in, in, for, for a, any period, right? And he needed that. I knew to do that because I had done it with Eva. I knew to do it with Eva because I had done it to him. I knew both because God was doing it to me. And because God was doing it to me, I was doing it to them. This is church, right? I think that's what God is showing. Like, that's what church is supposed to be. We minister to each other, not out of obligation, sometimes out of discipline, but as we care for, really, really care for, get to know, talk to, pray with, praise with, hug, walk with, shepherd, help, aid one another. As we minister to one another, we will be ministered to as well. And as God ministers to us, we will minister to others better. And we need each other, and they need us. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And I am just experiencing that this week in a way that is awesome. And so one last thing, because before I let him go, before I did a final prayer for him, um, we had communion which again, God has been trying to teach me what it means, more of what it means, how to implement communion. We did communion. I realized something really crazy about communion because you know we often condense it to the elements, the bread and the, the wine or the grape juice, if you're more conservative. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things that Jesus did was he did it on the meal, right? And he said, every time you gather, do this in remembrance of me. We know that Paul to the Corinthian church was very upset at them because, not because they weren't administering communion, they were, but they were doing so in a divided way. They were giving better food to the richer people who could show up earlier. And I think that there is a part of communion that says we're gonna share a meal together and it's not just this meal. I think there's a part of communion that says in a culture and even in today's world where it is so easy to become destitute to fall into starvation and food scarcity, where the worry of am I going to have a place to sleep and food to eat can drive us to so many idols that one of the things that communion is meant to do is to say, you will always have a meal ready for you. You will always have food for you. You will always have a roof over your head if you need it, right? If, and I wonder if that is something where you know, for us as American middle, upper middle class church, we need to start embracing because like in LA, we do have a lot of home, that homeless man at Jack in the Box. I didn't know what to do for him. I still don't. I know that the Jesus thing to do would be to give him meals, share communion, give him a house. It's why I love the Tiny Homes Project. It's why I should probably donate more to the Tiny Homes Project, brought many projects to just give it to them. That's what communion is. Here is a meal. From those of us who can afford it to those of you who cannot, you never have to worry. You never have to worry about being destitute 
about being homeless, about dying of starvation. It is a pledge. Communion is a pledge that says, I will covenant with you. I will stick with you. I will not leave you. A lot of this healing that has been going on in my life has been coming through Hannah. And how much of it is because of, or like the prerequisite of it is the marriage covenant that we have. That I know that no matter what I share with you, no matter what I reveal about myself, no matter how vulnerable, no matter how broken, no matter what sin, you can't leave me. <laughs> right? That's the marriage covenant. You can't leave me. That's why God hates divorce. Um, because divorce shatters that. It makes us lose faith that someone will never leave. And I needed that from her in order for all of these things that she's speaking truth into my life and prophesying into my life to really take hold. And I think communion, you know, for those when we are really gathered, really, really gathered, that that's one of the things communion is supposed to be. It's this pledge that says we will be here. We won't leave. And in that then you can hear my love and you can hear God's love and you can hear God's faithfulness. What a week, guys. What a month. I was telling my friend from YWAM, because I saw him like a month and a half ago, and he was like, oh, how's your month and a half? And I was like, I am a completely new, not completely, but I'm so far, right? Like, I feel like in the last month, I've gone to like six, seven, eight retreats just because of the frequency that which God is meeting me and shepherding me and loving me. And if you stuck with this hour, five minutes of me talking about that, I want to tell you, I believe God wants to do the same for you. It doesn't have to be slow the way we think of a slowness. Sanctification can be a joy, an abounding joy, an ever-increasing joy, multiple times a week, every single day. And it feels really good. And I want to invite you to embrace it and to let the Holy Spirit lead you into it as well.